welcome to season one, episode nine of the Grave Consequences podcast. I am Caleb B, and as always, that is where you can follow me on Twitter, joined, of course, by Maserati. But we are not alone. Today, we are joined by one half of Keeping It Strong Style, also on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We are joined by the young boy himself, Josh Smith. Josh, thank you for coming on. How are you doing today, man? Oh, I'm uh, I'm doing fantastic now that I've got a chance to clear up a common misconception that you guys have been espousing oh, on this no, show. Oh, no, here it comes. <laughs> oh, no, he's going to come on here and already start spreading fake news, guys. You guys, um, you guys thought I was coming on the show to uh, review uh, Lucha Underground with you. That is not the case. I'm here to set the record straight about what podcast is truly the ace of podcasts. Oh, <laughs> man. He's here to inject uh, grave consequences with a lethal dose of the NWO. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, man, and I was talking about it off the air, but normally when we do these shows, we don't go like over most of the spots in the matches. It's rough overview, rough, you know, you know, just hitting the hot spots here and there. But this is a one match show and we don't want to just do 10 minutes of audio and say, hey, here's the show. So let's get started. So first thing we see here, show starts off with, and I, I really like this imagery. We had a Aztec drumline and a dance troupe, as I wrote down. It's a nice little preamble to this uh, one-hour rumble we are about to see. Yeah, I was. Uh, what I liked is just the beginning here. Uh, Dario Cueto, you know, just announcing all the stipulations and you know uh, how freaking awesome he is. Just because the fact is as a uh, authoritarian character, like he was an actual actor and the people freaking ate it up in the beginning. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And I love that. And that actually mentioned in Dario Cueto, you know, he's got that shiner and he's holding the belt. He does also mention, okay, so Phoenix, as we know, last week, Phoenix lost the main event. So he is number one in Aztec warfare. Number two by random draw, quote unquote, Johnny Mundo, who happened to uh, sock one to Dario about two weeks ago. So that seems a little sus, as the kids would say. (laughs) All right. So match starts. Good back and forth between Johnny and Phoenix. Nothing really stood out for me in my notes here. But one thing that did actually from commentary and uh, our boy Vampiro makes the dad joke of all dad jokes because Stryker says parkour referring to a discipline of Johnny Mundo. (laughs) And so Vampiro says, well, what, why do you keep saying por favor? Why do you keep saying that? Like, it's a it's a plain old dad joke, like something I felt like I wrote for the show for about a minute to be completely transparent. I'm, I laughed at it. I'm getting older, I guess. <laughs> you I'm, sure I'm like kind of blown that that's what you got out of this sequence. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, like it's OK. We're watching this 20 in 2014. 2015 that would have definitely like their sequence would have stood out but like we're in 2020 we've been seeing you could trip over a rock and land on a great wrestling match nowadays you know that yeah one that was actually something that i noticed um you know just the match itself uh i remember thinking the first time i saw it that this was just incredible and it, it still holds up but you're absolutely right it's a little I guess dated in the in the sense that we see these types of you know the style of wrestling and these types of sequences all the time. It's not quite so 
like thrilling like i like oh my god you know where you know what is this it's like we're a lot more acclimated to this style nowadays yeah no we're definitely desensitized um oh okay so the first uh entrant or the third entrant of the match rather is about to come out and i love that the countdown clock is accompanied by the drum line like that's just some of the more unique the unique nature of lucha underground number yeah all right go ahead uh, I was going to say the other thing, too, we didn't even I mean, we're assuming everybody that's listening knows what Aztec warfare is. The The rules of the match, basically, it's uh, every 90 seconds, a new individual comes in uh, Royal Rumble style. However, the only way you can be eliminated is through pinfall or submission. There's no DQs, there's no countouts, and there's no elimination over the rope. So it's uh, almost like similar to like the elimination chamber, a new guy comes in and then they're just part of the match until they get eliminated and it's anything goes. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, but sir, I will have, you know, not that you would know because we were recording this before episode eight drops, but I did explain the rules last episode, but maybe you have a new listener this week, Caleb. Why would someone <laughs> pop in on episode nine? <laughs> <laughs> in sequential order. <laughs> Uh, because I'm going to tell people to listen to the episode from my show. That's why you brought me on here. So I could be like, hey, I'm going to be on there. Check it out. You'll have new listeners yeah, who don't know what the rules of this match are. We brought you on so we could uh, get a nice two-on-one on you. Get, get, uh, <laughs> get Divide and conquer, keeping it strong style. Oh, my God. So who came in next? Next up, Mr. Cisco from the crew. Uh, let me see that thong. He's not in here very long. Gets uh, it's into the world from Johnny Mundo, and he is the first man eliminated. Yeah, I don't remember uh, them staying in much longer. They all the crew all sucked equally in this match. Yes, yeah, it's yes, it's they did. It's the crew's funny because like it's B Boy and Ricky Reyes and you know I forget what uh, Mr. Cisco's name was. was. I think he was just Cisco on the Indies. I could be wrong. No, nah, he wasn't. He was uh, something else, but. Yeah, it's just funny, like, they the way they treated these guys on the show, like, I don't know, it's weird. A lot of other people got, like, kind of, like, really great treatment, but these guys kind of just were, like, they were just, like, the little cholo, like, <laughs> foot, foot soldiers for Big Rick most of the time, you know? Oh, you're not wrong. It's That's funny you say are. that. It's funny you say that, because his his name on the indies, I just remembered, was actually Lil Cholo. Lil- that is what it was. It was Lil Cholo. That's right. <laughs> yes. Number four was King Cuerno. He immediately took it to uh, Phoenix and Johnny Mundo. That's really all I wrote down from that sequence, but King Cuerno got the advantage there. Number five, uh, did you have something to add? I was just going to say, like, with this type of match, it's going to be almost impossible to recap everything that happened. But uh, Cuerno, man, I loved Cuerno, and he, I thought he had an awesome entrance and sequence, and he hit that uh, Tope Suicida that he's so famous for. Mm-hmm. They give it a name. I th- I'm not sure if it was in the last episode or this episode, but it is the arrow from hell. That's what yeah. they refer to it as, which is awesome. Son of Havoc draws number five. And folks, you're not loving him uh, loving him yet, but trust me, you are going to love him down the line. And he believes. And someone else, actually. I-, I did note at one point, Mundo grabs the beard of Son of Havoc. So that that was nice, uh, nice defense for sure. Kind of heelish from the uh, ace, the current ace of Lucha Underground. Won't hold that title for much longer, but you know we'll get there. 
At one point, Son of Havoc just dives onto everybody outside the ring. Just takes out everyone. Setting up number six, which was the Exotico himself, Pimpinella Escarlata. Josh, do you remember much about Pimpy from uh, Lucha Underground? Not really. Uh, that was one of the things that I found interesting with this match is I saw it when it aired originally, and I remember a lot of the characters. But there's a few people that I'm like, oh, they were in that match, and like I kind of forgot Pimpinella Scarlato was in this. Some other people like Superfly, yeah, uh, Mariachi yeah. Loco. Like I just kind of forgot they were there, you know, in the early days. No, that's easy to do. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think everyone from the first eight episodes, everyone who wrestled, is at one point involved in this match in one way or another. Mm. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we get some gay panic here. Pimpinella ducks a strike from Phoenix and kisses him. And Phoenix didn't, didn't like it at all. This didn't age well. There are certain parts of Lucha Underground that do not age well. Uh, I mean, that's kind of true, but I mean, it's also, they did a good job on commentary, sort of trying to explain the Exotico, you know, how it's a rich part of the Lucha Libre tradition and that sort of thing. So it's like, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll leave it alone, but I'm not even (laughs) so sure it's something that didn't age well as maybe just more misunderstood. Okay, that, that might be the case for sure. Oh, he also tried to kiss Marty Elias, but King Cuerno wasn't having it. He breaks up all the fun. Prince Puma! Our man Prince Puma comes out at number seven. He goes right after Johnny Mundo. Oh, and by the way, the angry Asian female who is yet to be named on the show was spotted in the crowd. And Josh, just so you know, we will not review her name on the air until she, or until on the show until she is, her name is revealed on the air. Easy for me to say. Oh, you don't want me to tell the audience that her name is. I don't remember her name. From so I'm ECW. <laughs> yeah, she's ECW Savannah, former ring announcer. Um, uh, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know that. Uh, uh, I barely knew that. <laughs> Evil Lee's drew number eight. She came right after King Cuerno too. Oh, dude, another pimpy tries to kiss King Cuerno. <laughs> King Cuerno just drop kicks him. Great it stuff. wasn't consensual. Yeah, but Bella tried to try to kiss almost everybody in this match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is Pimpinella Escarlata canceled? Um, <laughs> haven't seen him, have you? True enough, true enough. But I don't live in Mexico either. Um, let's see here. Son of Havoc, everyone just takes it to Pimpinella. And this, this sequence ends when Son of Havoc hits a beautiful shooting star press on Pimpy. One, the two, the three. Pimpinella, the second luchador eliminated from this this Aztec Warfare Battle Royal. Yep. Next up, yeah, nice, uh, nice shout out from uh, Jumpin' Jeff Farmer there. Drago is number nine. <laughs> He's dominating the field basically until King Crito gets a hold of him. Yeah. The the interesting thing with this is. Um... You know, they're kind of teasing the storyline between Drago and Cuerno that will dominate the next few episodes of the show. And they talk about how, like, while Drago's cleaning house, Cuerno's just sitting there in the corner sort of studying and analyzing Drago because he's, you know, this exotic wild beast that he's trying to, you know, hunt, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, like we've said it before, like King Cuerno on this show, he wrestles like a hunter or like a surgeon. Like he's very cerebral in his wrestling for sure. Ivelisse tries to interrupt the uh, Cuerno and Drago duel. Eats a thrill of the hunt for her trouble. One, two, three, Ivelisse, the third luchador eliminated. Up next, number 10, Bale. Uh, he won't be long for this world. He won't be long for this world. They'll, they'll get a like a beatdown spot in. Him and Cortez will later, but not long for this world. Puma hit, and he, he had Son of Havoc in GTS position, but then he kicked him, and I can't remember for the life of me what the move was actually called. That's the Benadriller. Benadriller. That actually sounds hilarious. Um, anyway, so Prince Puma hits the Benadriller. One, two, three. Son of Havoc! Next man eliminated. So at this point, the the elimination stopped for just a little while. Cortez uh, Castro comes out number 11. The crew dominates the field for, for, for a minute. For a minute. Uh, number 12, right from Los Angeles, Ricky Mandel. You know who Ricky Mandel kind of reminded me of in appearance here? He actually kind of... Uh, uh, no, honestly, I, I got one, two, three kid vibes from him, and part of that is also in his booking. You know, it's funny. He kind of the way he looked kind of reminded me of a uh, Kidman. Mm. I could see it. Yeah, put some uh, put some jorts and a, a wife beater on him. Yeah, he's Kidman two point um, <laughs> Which, believe it or not, Ricky Mandel will have a. a Decent amount of importance in the fourth season of this show. Uh, so you have that to look forward to. Oh, Puma, see, that's, that's interesting it. because I was I was sitting here thinking like, you know, I don't remember. I never saw the fourth season. So mm. I was like, man, what did Ricky Mandel ever do in the show? I like I, I was like, I cannot remember this guy. So that's that's interesting <laughs> to kind of note that. Oh, yeah. yeah watch a, along and you will find out. It's not a huge role, but he, he has a much more significant role compared to what he's doing right now. Mm. Yeah, he's, he becomes much more than just job guy, that's for sure. Puma hit a jackhammer of sorts than a standing shooting star press. If you needed any more reason to be impressed by Prince Puma, he hits a bail. And one, two, three, bail is eliminated. Johnny hits a nice kick on Cortez Castro right after. And Cortez Castro is eliminated. Number yeah, and 13. It's, and oh, and it's interesting Sorry, because... Ahead. These these two guys were the you know henchmen for you know the crew and Big Rick would have really benefited quite a bit by having them you know in the uh, you know in the ring once he made his entrance but their eliminations kind of made things a lot tougher for him. It is it is a nice bit of a happenstance that of course you know wrestling's fake but Big Rick draws number thirteen. Fire, you're a Nagi, just right through Ricky Mandel. Ricky Mandel, not long for this world at all. That That is Ricky Mandel's elimination. And that is, I love Big Rick's Uranagis, especially when he hits them on little guys. Like, he looks like he can murder people. He probably can. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few things he did in this match where he looked like he murdered people, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Rick... At one point, gives Cuerno assist. Uh, gives Cuerno an assist for uh, to hit thrill the hunt on Drago, which leads to Drago's elimination. So yep. Drago is eliminated here, but slightly a little bit protected. 
it was weird that he just gave them to him. Like I, I was watching that spot and I was like, oh, uh, I don't remember this. He literally just handed them to him off his shoulders almost. Did, yeah. Uh, there was just other people he was dealing with and there's a free man there and it was, you know, mutually beneficial to kind of get rid of the guy. That's the way I saw it anyways. I think they started fighting each other pretty soon after this. <laughs> right, but not in that immediate moment. True. Yeah. But, well, no, maybe not because, and, and again, a, a lot of this match is a blur because so much happened. But shortly after Drago gets eliminated, Cuerno goes after Mundo. Mundo ducks him and rolls him up, and King Cuerno is eliminated. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because he's one of my oh, favorites. Man. Oh, Cuerno is great, dude. Number 14, Pentagon Jr. Not quite the Pentagon we come to love and know in this series, that's for sure. Uh, this week, he was wearing he was wearing like a tighter-fitting long-sleeve shirt this week. Dude, he had two spots I loved in this. Uh, first against his brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys remember yeah. that thick-ass powerbomb he did? He like flipped him up in the air, and it was like almost like a pop-up tiger driver almost. Yeah, and Pentagon, like, he runs through people basically until he tries to run through Big Rick, and that doesn't work out for him at all. Superfly at number 15. Big Rick tries, like, the the gang of the group, of the, everyone else in this match tries to attack Big Rick, and it doesn't work out at all. That's two weeks in a row people have tried that, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're trying to because they're not doing yeah. much damage with those little flailing arms, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like the shitty hockey punches is what they were. Um, <laughs> number 16, Chavito Guerrero with a chair in hand. By the way, the chair is named Amigo for what it's worth. He's just hitting chair shots on basically everyone he can. Hits a, sh- a chair shot on Superfly. That eliminates Superfly. Eventually hits a chair shot on Pentagon Jr. Never trust a Guerrero. Once again, <laughs> Chavo Guerrero pins a Lucha brother on this show. So that's that was, uh, that was painful nice, for me. Nice, yeah. He was a yeah, dweeb in that spot. That was another callback that, like, once I saw it, I re- I sort of remembered that alliance between Pentagon Jr. and Chavo Guerrero, but I really like kind of forgot about it. So, uh, um, yeah. but you know, there's a lot of, the thing is, it's like early on Chavo's like this access for a lot of really great storylines that are going on the stuff with him and blue demon, the stuff with him and sexy star. And even this right here with Pentagon is sort of like a, there's a little bit of an illusion and a tease as to what Pentagon's path is going to be. They keep talking about him needing to find his darkness and, you know, that was kind of hinted at right here at this portion of the match. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Number 17, the greatest mini of all time, Masquerita Sagrada. Josh, I can't state enough. I freaking love Masquerita. Yeah, I mean, he's good. <laughs> he's good. That's great input, Josh. That's great input for sure. I um, my my, my I love- great input was on the the nuanced storytelling with Pentagon, yeah. not 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 Masquerita Sagrada. <laughs> well, like I'm assuming you like Masquerita's little alliance he has in season two with a certain someone. I do. Um, not really. Honestly, it was like one of the parts of the show that I like tuned out for. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like, I I 
it's hard for me to Masquerita Sagrada's funny and he's fun and he's definitely a great athlete, but it's hard for me to like invest into him or, you know, I'm, I've never really been that big into that aspect of Lucha, honestly. So, so let me ask you, cause me and me and Greg have discussed it before. Where would you in North America, where would you think Masquerita Sagrada would fit in best on TV? Oh, right like now, a, like a major promotion. Not like you well, know, let's, let's say let's say pre-COVID. So like circumstances are ideal. People are still running shows and everything. W- so it's like w- WWE. Really, hundred percent. I mean, look at what they did with El Torito. Is is Sagrada Torito? He might even be. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> look at what they did with with him and uh, Hornswoggle. I just I can't really see any other company utilizing him like that. At least they can sell shirts and you know have him dance with the kids and um, do comedy skits with our truth. I mean, I, I can't imagine any other company using him. I had Effect. said in WA. <laughs> what? <laughs> mm-hmm. He can't Wait, cut you promos. Want... He doesn't speak English. That's a promo <laughs> company. You don't, he can get a manager. He'll be fine. You, what? you don't want Aaron. You don't want Aaron Rex and uh, Masquerita Sagrada for the uh, third degree national championship. I guess if you don't care about the championship. <laughs> Actually, I guess uh, uh, sorry, Trevor Murdoch won that belt. Um this is an absurd. This is absurd. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on for sure. Sexy Star, number 18, the top female in the company for sure. She would be beloved by wrestling audiences forever. There's only two <laughs> that wrestle. Another uh, another Two weeks in a row, we get a Big Rick and Masquerita Sagrada face-off. And I don't know why, him. but every week these crack me up. Yeah, he kills him. Kills him he, kill, he kills him with the lariat, but they, they actually kind of... Bro, it was a decline lariat. It was like a massive decline lariat. It was amazing. Yeah. Oh, gee. Masquerita is eliminated off this huge decline lariat. Number 19... Mariachi Loco, that's a world beater right there. Mariachi Loco runs some offense, a little bit of offense, gets snuffed out by Big Rick. Uh, let's Number not, 20. Let's not undersell him. He, he was a highlight for me in this because they're referring to him as he was just a dishwasher the other day. I was rooting for this guy. Even though I knew the outcome, I still got it in my head. I was like, I want this guy to win. He's dancing. He's super kicking people in the face. I'm all for that. I love him. I want Mariachi Loco to win the Lucha Underground Championship. No. I tried to uh, Google El Mariachi Loco, and I found uh, instead a restaurant, uh, Latin Market, uh, not too far from where I live. So I might be checking that out soon. Nice. Maybe, uh, maybe he's in the back washing dishes. You never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> number 20, the biggest badass in Lucha Underground, Mil Muertes with Katrina, the lovely Katrina, of course. Mill is just fucking killing everybody. Flatliner to Mariachi Loco. Mariachi Loco is eliminated. We get a big a big Rick and Mill Muertes face off. They try to clothesline each other. Run the ropes, clothesline each other. Doesn't work out. After Oh, by the way, there was like a weird like a minute after all 20 people are out. So it's it, it's a minute after Mills entered. The drum line just keeps drumming for like what felt like forever. For some reason, and I thought like, oh, they're just gonna do this till the match is over, and then they stopped for like after like two and a half minutes. 
which doesn't sound like a long time, but two and a half minutes in reality is longer than you think. Did did you guys notice that at all? Not at all. No, I didn't. <laughs> it, it, it is weird, though, how, you know, the, Lucha Underground always got a bad rap for being edited, you know, television wrestling. Mm-hmm. But there were quite a few things that they actually left in the final product that you kind of would think maybe they would, you know, take out if they were able to. So, I, you know, I always kind of question how much of it really is actually edited. I mean, a, a big, you know, mess up like that. I mean. Yeah, I don't even know if it was a mess up. It may have been intentional for all I know. But so eventually. After that happens, Big Rick eats a standing shooting star press and then another shooting star press. I didn't write down who he took those from. Do you guys remember? Wasn't it from Puma and Johnny Mundo? Didn't they do yeah. stereo? Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, yeah, it stereo. it, it makes go. the most sense because those are the two guys that he was feuding with. That Yeah, that does add up for sure. But anyway, that leads to Big Rick's elimination. So one of the big hosses of this match is gone. Ooh. After that, Chavo hits, hits Phoenix with a chair. So it wasn't enough to eliminate one Lucha brother. He has to eliminate both. Gotta protect Chavo, of course. Of course, you gotta keep Chavo strong, brother. Chavo must pose. And we were uh, talking last week about Phoenix, like how losing actually makes him look strong because he goes through the whole match and it takes a chair shot to take him out. So he's protected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, Phoenix ran from the beginning of this match. He was number to one. To be like one of the last five. Yeah, he was the like last five to be eliminated or something. And he only loses because of the Sexy is, yeah, Sexy's like ready for a fight. She's like putting her dukes up, just ready to go. And runs interference when Chavo goes up for a frog splash. Sexy just wallops Chavo with a chair. Like it was a strong chair shot. I got kind of hyped. Leads. She's like all energetic and like she wants to whoop his ass. Like I actually got into it. Yeah. Her strikes didn't look good. No, but <laughs> and isn't she like a trained boxer? I think yeah. afterward. I think it was after the show. She decided okay. to become a boxer. No, she she did a lot that was great in this match, but that one sequence was I, I was just like, man, nothing's landing. Like not even <laughs> like even kind of close landing. Yeah. But I hear she's got a killer cross arm breaker for what it's worth. Whoa. <laughs> <She's> um... Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> So Chavo gets eliminated after the chair shot. We've got a final four of Prince Puma, Johnny Mundo, Sexy Star, and Mil Muertes. Sexy Star eats a big freaking spear. I'm glad you said that because I was afraid you'd miss it. Because that spear was violent. Yeah, it was, dude. It was. And that, that actually leads to her elimination. Mundo tries to fight Sexy or Mil Muertes on his own. Sexy Mil Muertes. Not doing so good. Yeah. Sexy Mill, uh, Mil, Mil Mortes. Um, so Mundo and Puma eventually join up. They land a double superplex on Mill. At one point, Puma grabs Katrina, and that leads to a distraction when Mill tries to save her. Mill's on the ropes. Katrina's also near the ropes, very close to the ropes. <laughs> so Mundo goes to kick Mill. Mill ducks, and Katrina eats a kick with a that would make you think she is dead like that's how loud that was dude yeah this was impressive um as someone who was literally working on insecurities this past week i can tell you that um chances are 
she either definitely ate like a kick or <laughs> if she if she didn't then Johnny Mundo like doing a springboard enziguri from that position like with 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 someone else shielding her you know the view of her like before he even threw it like that's super impressive. So, I mean, th- this was something where I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, that's a crazy spot, <laughs> especially for a non-wrestler. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, it's – dude, I- I've said it before, and I've said it before on the show, but it, it is a shame that she is not a valet or a manager for someone in, in a major American promotion right now. I know, sure like, it's a- apparently – yeah, it's it's her own choice, actually. She is choosing to pursue a career in acting, yes. but – Still just a little disappointing. It is. I'm sad. So, yeah, after Katrina ate the Inziguri, Nomorathes is just pissed, dude. Eventually, Mundo and Puma both land uh, dives on Nomorathes, and Nomorathes is eliminated. So we are down to a final two. We're back where we started from the first main event of Lucha Underground. Johnny Mundo versus Prince Puma. Worth noting, Johnny Mundo, each time these guys have faced each other, Johnny Mundo has won. So we will see if he can keep that streak going. Oh, at one point, Matt is asking Vampiro for help on commentary, and, Matt, and Vamp just says, I'm watching the match. Like He does that multiple times in the series, and it just feels kind of lazy, you know? There, I mean, there's a lot of critiques that you can make about both guys on commentary during this match. Like, it's... Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. spend a lot of time critiquing but what's What's wild is like, to my memory, like it's gonna get better. Their commentary, even if it's edited, their commentary is gonna get so much better. There's one time Matt Stryker's literally just like making comments. I don't even know what he he didn't even say anything that was like offensive. And uh, Vampiro's just like, brother, if you say something like that again, it's you and me are gonna be number three and number four in the ring. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I was and like, I'm like, why, like, why would you? The other thing, too, is, like, Vampiro. Now, granted, it's not like Vampiro's completely, de- like, you know, uh, divorced from the storylines within the show, but he's trying to work so many storylines between himself and all these different characters that never flesh out into anything. It's really weird. Like, on all his commentaries, like, I really hate Johnny Mundo. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing ever happens between him and Johnny Mundo, but he's got to like work this angle between him and Johnny Mundo. It's it's really weird. It gets very yeah. awkward because you know it's not going to go anywhere, and it just seems like he's trying to like put the spotlight on him, and it's, it doesn't help the wrestler. It happens a yeah, lot. Van- yeah, Vampiro is definitely in the business of getting himself over. So later on down the line, Mundo lands a Frankenstein, then into the- he lands into the world, but because he hooks the near leg. Damn it. Hook the far leg, Johnny. Step your game up. Mundo goes up for a C4, but he gets crotched by Puma. And then Puma nails a 630. One, two, three. Prince Puma is over the hump. He has won, I believe, his second match in Lucha Underground. And he is now the Lucha Underground champion. He finally got over the hump and beat Johnny Mundo. After match, Mundo shakes Puma's hand, raises his hand. Good sport. Conan. And then wobbles out to the ring with Kane in hand and celebrates with Prince Puma a week after telling him he was going to leave if he kept screwing up. So fair weather manager Conan. Yeah. Um, what, what, what are your guys um, overall, you know, 
thoughts on on this entire match and you know what were you thinking kind of rewatching this thing it's some things are painful for me going back and watching how many times vampiro tries to bury conan and tries to bury other wrestlers and you know it's painful when chavo guerrero of all people take out the, the lucha brothers uh pentagon looked like a clown because he was like high-fiving chavo like yeah we did it and then he eats a chair shot and it's just Certain things are kind of hard to go back and watch, you know, your your favorite wrestlers just not do as well as you'd expect. But it is super fun watching Puma uh, grow and evolve as a wrestler. I mean, we all know him as Ricochet now, but this is my first introduction to him. And uh, he's he's the ace of the company and, and he actually gets better, too. Like this isn't him at his best either. No, he gets so much better. Uh, initially I thought like, man, why'd they put the belt on Puma so soon? And then, you know, going through the match and going through the, the run of these first few episodes, like it's pretty much a perfect story. Like you could have make an argument for Mil Muertes here, but he's got so much better things to do before he does ultimately get there. Like his upcoming feud is hell. It's what we name the show after mm-hmm. for Christ's sake. Um, Man, uh, Josh, do, do you think it was a good decision to go with Prince Puma here, or would you have gone with someone else? Oh, I, I absolutely would have gone with Prince Puma. Um, you know, he was pretty much the titular star that they're trying to base everything around. He's the kid from Boyle Heights. He's the one with the Aztec blood. He hasn't been able to get it done against his big rival in Johnny Mundo. So, you know, it was completely poetic that those two ended up being the final two you know hearkening back to their several battles over the you know the few weeks and Mm -hmm. you know this is one of the best booked companies or at least written television you know wrestling shows of all time so they told a neat concise story with you know within eight to nine weeks so it, it all made complete perfect sense to me um speaking of some of the stuff you said greg like I, I totally get what you're saying about, like, Pentagon, but I loved what they were doing with Pentagon because, you know, they were mentioning how he was sort of missing an edge and needed to, like, hearken to his dark side. And then he makes this big cataclysmic mistake in trusting Chavo. And that would, you know, they did things like that all throughout this match to sort of embrace character growth and development with these different characters. And that's one of the things I liked about watching this match is knowing where so many of these different characters would end up going and Mm -hmm. seeing where they were at the time. uh, It's just a a perfect snapshot of where each individual guy was at the time. Um, Some criticisms. uh, They did a lot of unprotected headshots in this match with chairs, which uh, sort of a no-no. Even for that time too, right? Like even for that time, we kind of knew about concussions, right? 2014-ish? This is 2015, and I mean, yes. I mean, granted, those weren't like the most killer chair shots you've ever seen. Uh, Chava's throwing them sort of like on a, I don't know, like a sliding grade. He's not like killing these guys dead on, but it's not smart. It's not like a Balls Mahoney chair shot. Right. There was a lot of times, too, where I, I remember watching this match initially, and they do a great job where you know, during the 90 second periods, every guy comes in or every girl comes in and they, they, they get their shine, which is awesome. Um, but there's a lot of people that are just kind of on the outside sleeping a lot of the match. Mm-hmm. 
and I remember this being much more dynamic than it actually ended up being. Still really, really good match. I mean, I think it still holds up. And they told awesome stories. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't, like, rate it badly or anything like that. But, uh, you know, there's just a lot of, like, like, for instance, Phoenix in there for the whole time. And unless he's selling for someone, he's not really getting a lot of offense. A lot of time he's on the outside just kind of selling. You know, it's... uh. It's interesting in the layout of the match. There's, multi, you know, there's multiple times where there's seven, eight guys in the match with only two or three actually in the ring doing anything. I think that's one of the the one of the one weak points that Lucha Underground will always have is sometimes people are just sitting around waiting for their high spots, and if they're right. not doing a high spot, they're just kind of like hanging around. <laughs> but the the, yeah. the great thing here is at the end of the day, they told a great story. They got a lot of different. Uh, people over and you know this is kind of what caps what i call like the first little chapter in lucha underground's history because right after this you're gonna get the introduction of new characters new storylines new feuds and new character development i mean this is kind of like a, a snapshot in time for the company no you're absolutely right this definitely felt like a bit of a uh, like the end like you had said the end of a chapter and, you know, we've already seen vignettes for, for Cage to come. So this guy, uh, all we know about him is he works out and he's not a man, he's a machine. But we'll, we'll see a lot more as a um, man. That's got dang. We pretty much just covered the whole show. We want to rate it. Uh, yeah, we, we need to rate it, I suppose. Uh, we do one out of ten ratings, one being uh, the worst, ten best. I'm probably going to go about a gracious seven here to be completely transparent. Could have been for better. For the match or for the episode? Well, episode. It, it's one in this. It's one in the same because the match was the episode. Right. Yeah. We usually do it for the episode. Yeah. Um, I, I think that this match and this show in general is going to be one of the more loved uh you know, shows of the season, if I recall correctly, just with the amount of action, the length of time the match goes, and the different stories and characters that were probably entered into it. Um, honestly, I'd probably, I mean, do we do, are, are we just doing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or you guys do decimals? How do you guys usually do it? Uh, I've done you can do, you do halves and quarters. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it's, a, it's America. You can do whatever you want. You know what? It's I, pretty I arbitrary. I probably go a solid eight on this one. Oh my god, I'm going with an eight too. Oh yeah. gee, I didn't because think it's a great, it's a great show. This episode. Well, it's, it's a great, a great episode, great... but you can you can criticize it if you analyze it a lot. Like you yeah, can... there's there's things to criticize. It is a really good match at the end of the day, and um, you know it's going to set up a really important um, match style that's kind of going to be one of the you know, major focal points every season for this company going forward too. Indeed. I yeah. like how Dario was like, yeah, I invented this. I, I forget. I'm not sure if it's at the beginning, but he's like the match I invented. Yeah. <laughs> he invented it. <laughs> <laughs> he says it. I laughed out loud when he did. Yeah. yeah. Was he wearing his sunglasses again? No. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. I couldn't remember if I he like had the sunglasses on. If he might have had the sunglasses on and then took them off to show the shiner, I know we saw the shiner. I just can't remember if he was wearing the glasses before. Here's what? here's what I, here's what I do on my show. People ask us questions, I answer them 
as if I know what I'm talking about with 100% confidence. <laughs> if I get it, if I get it wrong, people will correct me after the show. I never address it ever again. It goes into the ether. I never acknowledge that I made that mistake. So if I'm wrong, I'm not going to come back and, you know, acknowledge that. So, no, he was not wearing glasses. So what you're saying is basically you are the Dave Meltzer of social suplex. <laughs> uh, Actually, that, that, that's probably true because Dave doesn't make very many mistakes and I don't either. <laughs> Oh, that's Fair great. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> folks, uh, if you want to hear Josh, you can hear, it right, hear him right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Again, he is one half of Keeping It Strong Style. And you guys just uh, reviewed, or you're about to review, the finals of the G1? Yep, the finals of the G1 were yesterday. Uh, at the time of this recording, we are one day out, so we'll be recording that here shortly. Um, I think this show is going to be dropping... Like, what, two weeks from now? Uh, Like, ten days from now. Okay. So, yeah. So, we'll be way past that by the time this show airs. But uh, if you guys want to check us out, we are the premier New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast on the entire in- internet. The longest-running episodic New Japan podcast that's out there. We are the Ace of Podcasts. You guys can connect with us um, on social media or on Twitter. Uh on Facebook, you can join our group. It's the Wrestling Squared Circle. Um, on Instagram, uh, we are Social Suplex. On Reddit, Jeremy is the pro black guy. I am keeping it strong style. Or you can follow us on Twitter, which is at Kai Strong Style. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email Jeremy, my co-host, at socialsuplex.com. Uh, our show drops every Tuesday. Um and yeah we're the ace of podcast check us out you know if you got three hours to kill (laughs) how did you do on spoilers this year uh i went into the a the b and the finals pretty much spoiled to be honest but for the majority of the g1 i wasn't spoiled so um yeah that stuff just happens i don't know it's hard, man, because normally we blame uh, Muzza, but like this year, it, I, I can't even blame him. It was YouTube. He did spoil me on one thing. Uh, it wasn't his fault, but it happened. But uh, yeah, uh, another G1 came, 91 matches reviewed, and uh, we're going to keep going. This is, we're coming up on our third year doing this. Oh, I'm going to ask you guys a question right nice. now. Um, how is the AEW New Japan thing? Like, I, I wasn't paying much attention to that, like, but what's going on with that? Oh man, um, you know that's something. <laughs> that's that's a big nuance thing. I think um, you'd have to submit something to the show. We we talk about it on the show. <laughs> nice. I can do that. Oh man, the fiend just killed retribution on Raw, guys. That breaks my heart. Um. <laughs> a good guy now or what's going on uh it's like weird because the hurt business hurt business are still heels retribution still heals everyone's heels man it's heels on heels, man rex ryan's dream um folks if you want to hear more of my lovely tones and i can't believe i didn't say this more often listen to me on eddie and caleb Zerocast. we drop every wednesday night uh we are on basically every podcast feed you could think of we also do a semi-weekly-ish show where we just, me and him and another friend of ours, we, we banter for about an hour, hour 
and you know just you know talk about whatever comes to mind that sort of thing loose format you know kind of free and easy as it were so that's eddie and caleb's hero cast uh follow the twitter for this show at gc underscore cast we need more followers on that account for sure but of course i need to tweet more from that account too that's partially on me folks that is the show we are uh, josh we are grateful to have you on uh, it's it's great to be in company of one half of the second best podcast on <laughs> like podcast network <laughs> Well, I was just going to say thank you guys for having me. I appreciate an opportunity to come on. And uh, I'm super behind on my podcasts, but I am going to get caught up on your guys' show. But, uh, I, you know, I think this show is really awesome. It's quick. It's easy, digestible. And it's really uh, inspired me to kind of go back and rewatch a lot of, you know, the Slooch Underground stuff, which was very revolutionary at the time, way ahead of its time and uh something that's been fun to do. So yeah, I'm looking forward to you guys. I did the math. You guys can, if you guys do the whole show, you're going to be doing it for like what the next two years or something crazy like that. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing more from you guys. Yeah. Thanks, it's man. pretty wild to think that I went more than two weeks on the network. That's wild. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The wrestling wash, the greatest two episode, uh, <laughs> the greatest episodic two episode <laughs> run in the history of impact podcasting history. <laughs> exactly yeah uh hell eight bits picking it i was gonna revive it then eight bit started up so i was like yeah I'll, I'll just do this instead um bro you, you can you can do another podcast on the sh- on the brand like i'll let you in. no 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 sir no sir i, I can barely handle two podcasts a week I, I couldn't imagine trying to do a third i thought um, you were doing three uh yeah and then i had to cancel because it was overkill <laughs> which one did you cancel uh my impact show I was just like, I do this thing with Impact where like, oh my will, god, you you dropped your Impact <laughs> podcast. I will I will lose I will lose passion. With oh Impact my for god, like months at a time. But then like when I get it back, like I get it back one hundred fold for some reason. It's really weird. Oh so you're like god. how TNA is with like how they stay like because they're always changing. Yeah, so before they're Sintas, doing it doing a soft reboot every year um (laughs) man again great to have you on josh greg i think it's time we get out of here and always remember contrary to what josh smith may believe we are the ace of podcasts bro kayfabe we got a copyright on that what are you doing (laughs) folks we are not alone here on the social suplex podcast network there are plenty of other great shows on here none as great as ours of course but we have on this lineup a bivy of great shows, including 8-Bit Suplex, Suplex, hosted by Sandy Gaviria and Josh McLaughlin, even though he hates me for some reason. We also have All Things Elite, hosted by Austin S. and my boy, my fellow Oki, Floyd Johnson Jr. Again, that's All Things Elite. That covers AEW, and it does it in a damn good way. We got Get in the Ring, DJ Cooks, great host. Also, he hosts a show called The Great Match Generator, and I believe... Uh, once or twice you've been on that show, if I'm not mistaken, right, Greg? I was on the first one. We've also got grown men watch this shit again. That's James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryant, two great guys in my opinion. Another show, uh, New Japan centric, keeping it strong style, hosted by Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith. A couple of great guys in my opinion. Lo- loads of great people on this network. If you if you notice the theme. Also, of course, we got the OGs of Social Suplex. We got One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. 
every Sunday on the network. We've also got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Last but not least, I love those guys. They're my homies from Scotland. Ricky, you are one handsome devil, and you guys put on a great podcast. And always remember to listen to the Grave Consequences podcast, or there will be grave consequences.